us pray together. Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for your word. And as we spend a few moments looking into your word together, we ask again that your spirit would come and speak to each one of us. Lord, this is your word. And you want to nourish us and, and encourage us and lift us up. And so, Lord, we, your children, are listening for your voice. Speak to us, we pray. In the name of Christ. Amen. Last week, we began looking together at some of the core values that we have as a people of God and as his church together. And last week, we started to talk together about Christ being the head of his church and the head of each one of us. These core values, these core foundational things, they're a little bit like the foundation stones that you can see outside in the, in the link there. If you look underneath the, the pictures of all the former ministers, you'll see these stones that have been placed into the, new, into the wall there. And they remind us, they've got dates on them and people who put them there. They remind us not only of the kind of past events, but also the, the principles, the vision, the values that our brothers and sisters before us had when they first put them in as foundations of building God's church. And this church, there are a number of them because we come from a number of different traditions, a number of different churches joining together into one church here. And I guess they had a service where uh, there was a foundation stone that was laid and they all came together and they they looked to the future about what God was going to do in his church. And in the same way, when they came together, they had values, they had core things that they, they, and hopes and dreams about how God was going to move and take them forwards. And it's these that we're looking at again today as we think together about what are the core things about us as believers and about here as his church. What are the things that we need to hold on to as we continue to move forwards with him? Jesus did the same thing at the outset of his ministry. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter, seven, uh, chapter 5, he stood up, didn't he, right at the outset of ministry, and he spoke to the people that were there. It's uh, something we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 5 to 7. And how does he begin the Sermon on the Mount? What does it say? How did he start it? Blessed. It's what we call the Beatitudes. Those blessed are, what's the first one? The poor in spirit? Yes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he spoke and he talked about a whole raft of different things in this sermon that he gave, this talk that he gave, this interaction with the people around him in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, without turning a page of your Bible, how does he finish the Sermon on the Mount? Eyes up. See everybody going. How did he finish it? Do you know? Not our men. That's a good guess. Send them out. No, let's have a look. Let's turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. He finishes it with a story. A story about what? Chapter 7, wise and foolish builders. 
he concludes with this story. Let's read together. It says, therefore, he says, verse 24, Matthew 7. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains come down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And then it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Just want to look at that a little bit together. You see, first of all, that there are two people here. There's two builders, or at least more than two, but two camps of builders. There are builders who put it on the foundation, on the rock, and then those who put it on the sand. And yet, they have the same uh, criteria. Both of them have the same vision. Both groups of people get together and they say, you know what? I've had a plan. Let's build a house. And so they all want to build a house. Exactly the same. There's no difference. So I imagine they go out and they get a plan for a nice little house and they say, let's go and build this house. The second thing that Jesus says is they both have the same opportunities. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine puts it into practice. And then verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Both groups of people hear the words of Christ. They have exactly the same opportunities. They both hear the word. They both hear the same truth. And they both have the same challenge as well. It's like the same storm comes, the same rains come down, the same winds blow. No, not either one is worse or better off than the other. They're both in it together. And so the challenge that comes is identical for the two, but the results are key, are different, aren't they? And the key, of course, is, as Jesus plainly says, is the foundation. Whether you put it into practice or whether you don't. Whether you have it built on rock so that its foundation is sure and strong, or whether you're just building on something that's going to move and shift. And notice one other thing here before we move on. You have to build your house before the storms come. Have you ever tried to pitch a tent when it's raining and when it's windy? Anybody done that? We went to North Wales one time a few years ago. It was the only part of Britain that was raining at the time. I checked. The whole of the rest of Britain, Scotland included, it never sunshine in Scotland, but this day, pure sunshine. We happened to go camping in Snowdonia in North Wales, the only part of the United Kingdom that had any rain, any wind, any just terrible weather. But we were there. And we were there in our little tent, trying to pitch a tent in the pouring rain. It is miserable. The wind was blowing, so every time you try and 
stake your tent down or, or put the poles through and lift it up, the tent starts blowing off towards the Isle of Man. And you're there going, oh, this is just terrible. You're getting soaked and frustrated. My wife was getting... It got so bad, the wind was so strong that we had to drive the car over the edge of the tent just to hold it down. That's how bad it was. In the middle of the night, that wasn't even good enough. The rest of the tent started lifting up on the other corner with us in it. And so we ended up going out in the middle of the night to get rock. It was just terrible. That's when you come back and decide that hotels are just worth their money. You just think. But you can't, you see, you can't build it. It's a lot easier if we'd have got there and it would have been beautiful sunshine. Then we could have pitched our tent, staked it out nicely. And then when the rains come, it would have all been okay. The problem was that we were trying to pitch it and the ground was wet and it was raining and we were rushing and trying to do it all in a hurry because we were in the midst of the storm instead of doing it before the storm. And here, the builders, you have to build it before the storm comes. That's what Jesus did with his disciples, wasn't it? He didn't grab them the minute, you know, as he was on his way to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to take them three years before I need to. That gives me three years to build the solid foundations in these guys so that when the storm of Calvary comes and the Last Supper and the death of Jesus and everything else comes, they will be ready. They might not be fully you know, complete, but they will be ready enough to, to last. Their foundation will be strong enough on the rock that will see them through. He didn't just pick them up on the way to Jerusalem and said, oh, you'll learn as you're going along. No, he had that concerted time with them beforehand. And we need to do the same thing. That's what Trinity is all about. That's why we open our word up every week and study it together. That's why we do the things that we do so that when these storms come in our lives, we are ready. We are ready to face them because we have that foundation that is on the rock. But how? How do we build on the rock? Well, turn in your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to look at this briefly together. Ephesians 4 talks about the unity of the body of Christ. But from verse 11, it says this. This is where the fivefold ministries comes. Verse 11 of Ephesians 4. He said, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. We spoke about that last week. That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now let's just look at that briefly together. What's it really saying? Well, first of all, it says back in verse 11 that God has appointed certain people to specific roles. 
Some to be apostles. Apostles are people sent once. It's literally what it means. People who are sent out by God, church planters, missionaries, to go and bring the gospel, to go and plant new churches. Just as Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He went around and established new churches where he went. Some are to be prophets, it says. Proclaimers of God's word. And some are to be evangelists, people who take the gospel to others. Now, we could spend ages looking at each one of these, but we're not going to do that this morning. Now, those three are ones like itinerant ministries. They go off and they do that around in different places. And then there are two that are kind of more localized, if you like, pastors and teachers. These are the people that stay with a congregation and help that congregation. Now, look at verse 12. It says, what do these people do? Well, their role is to prepare God's people for works of service. That's what their aim is. So that their role is to prepare each one of us to do what? To serve. To serve in Christ's church. That's what we need to do. That's what we're here. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Now let me ask you a question. Who builds up the body of Christ? Christ himself, through who? Through the Holy Spirit? Through who? Us. You see, sometimes I think what we've done here is we've said, you know what? He gives some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And what is their role? Their role is to build the body of Christ, the church. That's not what it says, is it? It says their role that God has given them is to prepare God's people, that's each one of us, for works of service. And when there are works of service, what is the result? The body of Christ, the church, is built. So who builds the church? All of us. You know, when I came here, some people, you know, were going, and there's a lot of pressure on ministers. They go around, they ask on it, how big is the church? How many members have you got? You know? As though, I was talking to a friend of mine in Canada, that church is small where he ministers. And, and they were like, he said, I feel responsible for the size of the church. I said, it's not your responsibility. It's the congregation's responsibility. But that's not how we think so often, is it? We, we go, hey, David, we've appointed you to grow this church. And I'm going like, it's got to do with me. I'm one of these pastors or teachers people. So all I need to do, my responsibility that God has given me is to pray, prepare you guys for works of service. Your responsibility, it says, and that means all of us, me included, is to build up the body of Christ with God's help through the Spirit and so on. And we need to get that as foundational in our understanding. It is our responsibility collectively by works of service to build his church. So that means that you need to be aware of the gifts and abilities that God has given to you. 
You need to be using those gifts and abilities in works of service. Service not to the church, but to Jesus Christ. So you need to know what your gifts are. The Bible says everybody has been given gifts. Each has been apportioned gifts by the Spirit of God. doesn't matter how young, how old you are, you all have gifts and abilities. If you know Jesus, he's given you those. And the question then becomes, how are you using those gifts for his glory? Because until we as a body of Christ work together, then verses 13 and onwards cannot happen. What does it say will be the result? Until we all reach, that's each one of us, unity in the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now what does that mean? Well, that means that the person sitting next to you and behind you, their maturity in Christ how grown up they are, whose responsibility is that? Your own. It's frightening, isn't it? Have a look around. Look at the people around you. Look into their eyes. Look deep into their eyes. Go on, have a look at them. How mature in Christ do they look? Have a look at them. Have a good stare. You know, you know, we all do that on the tube, don't we? You're all sitting there looking at one another over your book or your, or your, or your phone or whatever until you make eye contact and then you're kind of like, I'm giving you permission, right? You're on a tube train. You can look at one another right now. It's perfectly okay. But their maturity is your responsibility. Their immaturity is your responsibility. How they are growing in Christ is your responsibility. That's what it is to be the body of Christ. And one of the core things is that we need to learn ways in which we can encourage each other to grow, to grow in Christ. We will never reach a unity that we need to reach. We can never reach the knowledge of the Son of God that God wants us to reach. We can never be mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ unless we're prepared to be a channel of God's Spirit helping one another of us to grow. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28 when he finished the gospel, wasn't it? What was the last thing he said to his disciples? Apart from amen. Go make disciples of who? Everybody. Really? And it's really what it is in the Greek. It's as you are going, make disciples. It's not a command. It's a, it's a, as you are going about your business, as you're going about your daily life, when you wake up tomorrow over breakfast, make disciples. When you go to work tomorrow, make disciples. When you go down to the shops, make disciples. When you come to church, make disciples. When you're at home, Alone, make disciples, pray, speak to Jesus, talk to him. It's our responsibility to make disciples. And what's a disciple? A disciple is not someone who is a believer, full stop, but it's a mature believer. It's someone that is growing up, as it's described here in Ephesians, someone who has that unity, that knowledge, and has the full 
measure of Christ. Well, I haven't quite arrived at the full measure of Christ, okay? I need work doing to me. And I know that you guys need work doing to you. So yes, we're disciples because we're on that journey, but we need one another to help us to grow into that fullness that Christ has for us. You see, that's the way Christ has designed it to be. That's how he wants his church to be. Describes it in 1 Corinthians as a body, doesn't it? Every part doing its bit, right? That's how he wants us to be, that we are dependent on one another. The problem is, in our Western culture, it's all about me and my relationship, isn't it? The whole thing is about me, my rights, my this, my that. But the church is, is countercultural. It's about us. So if, if Tim here is not in his fullness, then that's my responsibility. If I am not, that's Tim's responsibility. Right? We are all in this together to help one another to grow. And we need to use, allow God to use the gifts and abilities that he's given to us, that unique set of gifts and abilities and who we are to allow one another to grow. We cannot do it on our own. Because it may be that, you know, that God's going to use Yoland and some of the gifts and abilities and the way he's given it and flows through her is what I need to help me to grow in the way that he wants me to grow. And it may be that Joan needs to allow God's spirit to flow through her into Yoland because Yoland is, is needs what, exactly what God's going to do through Joan and that unique set of gifts and abilities to help her to grow. And we need one another to be open to the spirit of God, to allow him to use us in the way that he wants to, with the people that he wants to, to help us to make these disciples from everyone around us, inside the church and outside the church. It's all of our responsibilities. These five prophets, evangelists, apostles, pastors, and teachers, they have a role to play in that. But the key is that all of us, God's people, allowing his spirit to flow through us, that is how the body of Christ may be built up. And so one of the core things that we we felt God saying to us is that we need to become excellent in doing that. We need to have that as a core value in the life of this church, that we will strive to equip and train one another to look more like Jesus so that all of us have an opportunity to receive the fullness of Christ, to become mature in our faith, to be mature in the knowledge of who the Son of God is and to be united in our faith together. You know, I think membership in the church has three key aspects to it. If we are part of this family, part of this body together, there are three things we really need to commit to. The first is to worship. Worship is amazing, isn't it? Coming together like this on a Sunday or through the week, it's just beautiful. There is something about joining together that, that Christ just flows in us. We connect to God somehow easier together than we can do on our own, I think. It's an encouragement together. You know, sometimes when Ronnie stops singing and, and says, congregation, you sing, and you hear the volume of us singing and praising God together, there's something that lifts in your heart. 
when you hear one another worshiping Christ. Not that we don't when we're singing, don't get me wrong, right? Or when the band's playing. But they encourage us through music or through prayer or through fellowship or his word to get closer to him. And it's important that we do that. I heard a, a story about a pastor who went around to a, or the, uh, uh, a wife came to him and said, you know, my husband stopped going to church and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to encourage him to come back to church again. He just won't, I can't really talk to him about it. Could you come round and talk to him? So the pastor went round and it was winter and they had a, a fire there all going with the coals in it. And it was, it was beautiful. And the pastor didn't really know what to say, how to broach the subject. So they started talking about football and about, you know, praying for Chelsea, things like that. And, uh, you know, all these kind of things. And they, he doesn't, he was like, I don't know how, Lord, just give me an opportunity. Show me how I might get onto the subject of encourage him to come back into church, into that community. Because his wife's worried about him and, and sees him struggling on his own. And as he was sitting there, the Lord gave him a thought. And while they were just chatting about everything and nothing, he went into the fire and he took out one of the coals with the tongs and he just lifted it out the fire and he put it on the, on the hearth in front of the fire and just placed it there. And they watched. And they kept on talking about everything and nothing. And as the fire continued to roar and keep its heat, that coal that was on its own started to go out. And they just sat there. And after a time, that coal just died because it was left all on its own. And that's like the church. We need one another. If you're a coal that's out on its own, it's very, very hard to keep going. Yes, you can have the, the strength and the power of God flowing through you. But we need one another. It's the way we've been created in his family. I need you. You need me. We all need one another together, that support and that encouragement. So that sometimes when we feel like we're going out, we can just lift one another up and put us right back in the middle. And that fire will come back on again. And we get heated by the Spirit of God flowing through each one of us. The first thing we need to do is make worship a priority in our lives. Not just for ourselves, but for one another. We, we, if, if we're doing okay, we still need one another because one another provides the, the heat for someone that's struggling and feels like that, that is going out. Secondly, we need to be channels of God's Spirit. As we've been talking about, one of the key foundations is that we need one another to grow, to spiritually grow, to attain the fullness of Christ. Who would like to be mature in their faith? I would. I want to have as much of Jesus Christ, as much of the Holy Spirit that is humanly possible. You know, I want to be as Christ-like as I can possibly be when I go and meet him face to face. I want all those edges that are not of him just knocked off and done away with. I don't want to be burdened with the things. I, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to be his character. I want to show him more and more. And the only way we can do that is through one another. We need to allow Christ to use the gifts and abilities that he's given us in ministry to one another. 
we're going to be setting up tag groups in the life of the church. We've been having tag groups together for a while. But I would encourage you, these are going to be home groups in the church. I would encourage every one of you to join a home group. Why? Because without it, you cannot grow. If you come on a Sunday and think, that's, that's my growing done for the week, your growth will be like this. You know, it's just like, if you were to sit in the exam, you know, when I, I remember when I was at school, I was talking in the early service. I remember I took a maths exam once. It was terrible. There were 24 questions on the maths exam. I had to answer three. Three out of 24, I thought, ah, that'll be all right. So I opened the paper in the exam hall and I sat there and I looked at question one and I went, I have no idea what that's talking about. And I went, question two. No, not that one either. Question three. By the time I got to question 16, I was starting to panic. I got down to question 24, and I couldn't answer any of them. And then I had this terrible moment. I started looking around, and I went, I wonder if, any, I wonder if they've given us the wrong paper. I wonder what's going on. And I looked around, and there were other people like me who were looking around as well, going like, I don't know. And they were going, I don't know. And then there was those really irritating people who had their heads down with their pens, and they were just going a million miles an hour. Now, you know why? Why was I like a few others that were just staring at one another, not having a clue what we were doing? I didn't study. I thought it was good enough to turn up to a class and that would have been it. I mean, I attended all the lectures, at least physically. Mentally, I might have been somewhere else. But I was there. But it wasn't enough. They gave us lots of past papers and things to do and things to work on. I went, nah, nah, I don't need to do that. I've been to the lectures. I turn up every week in school. It's not enough. And the people, when the exam came, who had gone away and really taken it seriously and done the study... They were the ones that aced it. Whereas me, I'll leave the result to your imagination. Not quite what I expected. And that's why we need to be in these groups together. Because there, in those groups, what will happen is you can allow God to use your gifts and abilities to encourage others. And allow them to encourage you. Use your gifts and abilities to help others to grow and allow their gifts and abilities to grow you. It is the best way, if you want to become mature in faith, if you want to learn about the knowledge of God, if you want to be, have that unity in the faith that it's talking about here, if you want to be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind and teaching of people around you, as verse 14 said, Verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into him who is the head. If you want that, if you want to be that mature, then you need to grow and come along and join one of these groups. Because that is the best way to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And thirdly, I would say this, allow God to use those gifts and abilities he's given you in ministry to others. Come to worship, get involved in one of these groups so that you may grow. Allow God to use your gifts and abilities in that group, but also 
allow God to use that unique set of gifts and abilities in ministry for him. Some people have gifts of administration or finance. Some have gifts of evangelism and they're just natural to go out door to door on the streets and get involved in outreach. Whatever it is, right across the church, come find out those gifts and abilities, where they fit into the ministry of God's church and use them for his glory. That's what he asks of us. That's what he requires of us. That's what he longs for us to be like. We will do all we can as a church to help you to grow. But I guess the responsibility relies on one another. I want to close by looking at it in a particular way. Just one second. I want you all to come forward. And in here, I have a number of different kinds of fruit. I want you to come and I want you to take one piece of fruit. Just one. Just hold it for a moment, okay? They're great. When I say one, I don't mean the whole thing of grapes. Just one grape, okay? One banana or one orange in the bottom. Okay, just take it and hold it. Okay. There you go. Just hold on to it. No, you can't eat it yet. Just hold it for a moment. I did think about using chocolates. But then I thought I'd go healthy. I apologize most profusely. So I kept the chocolates at home. No, I didn't really. Just joking. Right, don't eat it yet. Just hold on to it. You're gasping now. Your juices are flowing, aren't they? Right. How are we doing? Right, now what I want you to do, once you've got some fruit, is I want you to go and find someone else. Go and pair up with someone. Just go stand next to somebody. Everybody pair up with someone else. Everybody got a fruit? Okay, go find somebody. Who hasn't got a partner? Okay. Everybody got a partner? Everybody? Okay. 
Okay, now what I want you to do is one of you, and you need to choose which one first. Okay, choose one of you. Which one are you going to choose? Say, me or you. Which one are you going to choose? Okay, choose one of you, right? The person that you've chosen in your pair, didn't have any pairs, uh, I want you to feed the other person. I mean feed them. Don't give them the banana. No, no, don't give them a banana. Peel the banana, hold it up to their face, let them eat it. Don't just give them the orange, peel the orange, take each segment out and put it in their mouth. All they're allowed to do is open and close, chew and swallow. If it's a grape, you've got to feed me. Hey, wait, wait. The whole banana. <laughs> Feed it to them. If it's a grape, you chose wisely. Because that was jolly easy. If it's an orange, you'll be here all day. Right? But peel it, give it to them. Right. The Lord gives me some most ridiculous ideas I've ever thought of, I tell you. Okay. You haven't finished yet? Okay. That's all right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The whole orange. Give them the whole orange. You've got to feed them. Okay. Right, now you should have one partner that's still got fruit. And one partner that doesn't. Now I want you to go, those that have got fruit, go find someone else that doesn't have any fruit. So the other people just stay still. If you've got no fruit, stay still. Because the ones that have got... You should have given to them so they've got fruit. Then what fruit have you got? Well, you should have had a fruit. You did it wrong. Go find somebody who, hands up if you haven't got any, like if you're on your own. Right, you need to find a new partner. A new partner, if you haven't got any fruit, you should be with a partner who has got fruit now. Because you've given your fruit away, right? You've eaten it already. People. Okay. So now the person that's just had fruit, this is so complicated, should still have a fruit left. The person that's just eaten should have a fruit. And they need to give it to someone who hasn't eaten, who has now not got any fruit. Simple instruction. If you've done it wrong, you can grab some more fruit. 
You can feed someone else. So you can feed them now. Okay. This is what the church should be like. Right? Amen? Feed them. Yeah, feed them. Do with a skin. You can take that home as a souvenir. Uh, We'll put it in the bin in a minute. We're nearly done. This is the church, okay? This is what we're talking about. God has given you gifts, not for you, but for the people around you. Yeah? And it's your responsibility. God says, I want to use you to feed them. And I'm going to use them to feed someone else. And they're going to be used to feed someone else. And we could just carry in all day feeding one another with fruit. But do you get the picture of what God is trying to do here? It's not my responsibility to feed all of you. God has given you different fruit to feed one another. And so we need to learn, find ways where we can do that for God's glory, where we are feeding each other, using what God has given to us to feed, to help mature. So that none of us have an excuse that we're not mature that we're not receiving the fullness of Christ because each one of us is helping to feed one another. And so I'd say, do those three things. I think the Bible tells us, come together to worship because that helps us to feed and grow. Get involved in a home group when we start them up. Think about, pray about, are you someone that could lead a group? We're going to give you the material to lead. Every two weeks or twice a month, we will meet in small groups across the church. Is that something you could do to lead one of those groups with the material that we give you? Or could you host a group where you can encourage half a dozen others to come where we can grow together, we can learn together. We can allow God to use us, each of us, as a channel of his fruit to go and impact one another so that we can pray for each other and help each other to grow. That's what God wants. And think about the gifts and abilities that he's given you. Where can you use them in his service? Has he given you a passion for children's ministry or for outreach or for for whatever it may be? Don't get involved everywhere, but do one thing. One thing. If we get involved everywhere, then then, then we're running around like crazy. And we're not effective. But get involved. Use in one area the gifts and abilities that he's given you for his glory, for his work. And then you will see the fullness of Christ coming upon each one of us, the church growing as it should grow, and us being open and and working together in unity as he desires us to be, with him being the head, guiding and directing us. Let's pray. Lord, we want to just pray for one another. Lord, we want to thank you that you give each one of us gifts and abilities. But they're not just for our benefit, they're for the benefit of one another. I thank you that you have said to us that we need each other to help us to grow. But it's not just the one person's responsibility or a team's responsibility, it's all of us. 
you've given us all the different experiences and different understandings and, and, and different gifts and abilities that, that you want to use as channels of growth. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you're encouraging us to grow and giving us that responsibility so that each one of us has that opportunity to be mature in our faith and to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Lord, may we go from here knowing where we fit in. If we don't know, help us to ask one another. Lord, may we think about whether we should be hosting a home group, a tag group, or leading a tag group, or or coming involved in a tag group where we can use and be a channel by being used by you to encourage others and allow them to encourage us. Lord, we want to be a strong strong foundation of your church here in Trinity that can impact the community around us and and London and this country for your glory. Grow us as we allow you to grow one another through us. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.